Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On this episode of Big Drive Energy, there's a lot going on in the golf world right now. We got a lot going on with the Live Tour. Just won't go away. A lot going on with Greg Norman, Bryson DeChambeau taking L's. We've got the President's Cup coming up this next week. We had Max Homa winning again. Same tournament, crazy ending, which we'll get into. And just a lot going on in the golf world that we're going to talk to you guys about. And it's all brought to you by our presenting sponsor over at Pins and Aces. These guys are awesome. The company is awesome. They're clothes. I'm looking at it in my closet right now, and it stands out for sure. Uh, compared to all my other boring polos. They have the best polos in the game. They got the best hats. I think we wear their hat every single day. I rotate between black, white, gray, um, whatever it may be. Broncos, they got a Broncos one that I wore on Sunday for the big dub. So make sure you're checking out pinsandaces.com and using our promo code BDE, which will save you 15% off your first purchase plus free shipping. All right, let's tee it up. Yahoo. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any. Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. Dude, golf is such a beautiful thing. How the fuck does Max Homo win that event? Yeah, that old saying, it's not over till it's over, really, really hit home this week. Um, I I just rewatched some of the highlights and... I know from Max's standpoint, it's electric, but you really got to feel for Danny Willett, man. Um, for those of you who don't know, Danny Willett had four feet for birdie on the final hole. He was already leading by a stroke, and Max Homa was off of the green hitting his fourth. Max chips in, but regardless, Willie, Will, Willie Danny Willie, Danny Willett controls his own fate there. He knocks in the four footer. He still wins. So he whips out the four footer, hits it five feet by, and then proceeds to miss the five footer. And just in shocking fashion, 
loses the the Fortinet, the Fortnite championship. Um, and I think we've all, I, I mean, obviously, whenever we see a, a PGA Tour guy hit a really bad golf shot, it's relatable. But I think everybody at one point or another has been in that position where they are so locked in on like a short putt that they have no like thought about the pace. And then they hit it four or five feet by and they're like, oh, my God, like, what did I, what have I done? You know what I mean? Just like that internal panic. And I'm I'm sure Danny Willett wasn't even thinking about it. He's like, just fucking knock this in and you win. But that is so painful. Like Danny Willett hasn't won in America in six years. And he was a four footer away, grinded all week to to make it down to to 18 to three putt for a bogey and, and lose the the Fortinet. So what a fucking unreal finish. Dude, I know it's do you think that more of the pressure pressure was created by Max chipping in, even though he knew he only had to two putt from four feet? Like, do you think that ever crossed his mind was not making the putt and lagging it up there? I know it would cross my mind, but I honestly doubt it crossed his because there's a lot of books and stuff out there where they're really preach. <clears throat> You know, they're preaching like practicing golf and how to practice golf correctly and how to be better and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them, you know, when they're talking about putting, especially they say things like, don't, don't forget the goals to make the putt. And I think sometimes that can hurt you. I mean, that, that could be a potential, not only life changer, but a career changer for Danny Willett and not winning that tournament. And all he had to do was two putt. I mean, I would have loved. Well, if, no, he, you know, so Max Homa chipping in forced him to have to make that to win outright. No, they went into a playoff, didn't they? I, I don't or, think they did. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. They didn't go into a playoff. Yeah. So when Homa chipped in for birdie, he essentially tied the lead right there, but will it had a four footer to go one ahead to win it? No, he had two putts to win it. He no, three he, he three whacked it. I know he three whacked it. The does I I kind of had the same mental fucking breakdown in my head. But if he makes that putt, he wins by one. If he makes a second putt, he ties. Because Max Homa chipped in, he three putted and lost by one. Ah, uh, okay. My mind. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, there. Here, dude? You having a little bit of a, a mental breakdown? Okay, so now it changes it a little bit. So, yeah, Homa chipping in fucking completely changed it. Like, yeah. And it, did you see that? Uh, go ahead. Grade A slop, too. The slop chipping? Dude, that thing was a fucking. It was like rolling so fast. Just like they, they showed a view from behind it from where he chipped. It was not good. It was not quality. No, it was quality. I mean, that was just a tough shot. Like he needed it to hit the hole. It wasn't going to stop by it, but he, dude, just, I'm sorry. I don't want to pick on you, but you're not like the clutchest golfer I've ever played with. Imagine. <laughs> I I love you to death. And you've actually hit some clutch golf shots in your life. Um, a, a few come to mind, but a chip shot where you legitimately like have to make it to give yourself any chance. Like think about Max Homa's mindset in a five minute span going from, I have to hold this chip 
and I still probably will lose to winning five minutes later. Like I guarantee you that's what was without, that's what went through his head. And that's the beauty of golf is, I mean, not in a million years. If you ask Max Homa what Willow was going to do there, he said at the very most, I guarantee you, he'd say at the very most, he's going to two putt it like three putt. I would like to see the statistics of a PJ tour player three putting from five feet, because I bet it's one in a hundred. Maybe if it's it's probably even less than that, I'd say probably one in 500. Yeah. So he got fucking lucky as shit. Um, but the, the chip in was huge because the, if there's no pressure on Willett and obviously it's, it's another shot that he gained on him, but the, the, the situation in and of itself was more than just like one shot in Willett's brain, because that really catches you off guard when in the old adage is uh, you always have to expect your, cause they were basically playing match play at that point. Um, they were coming down to the final hole. It was just the two of them. And the old adage is you have to expect your opponent to make anything really any shot, any, you know, even if you're two up and they have an iron shot in the fairway, you can't be shocked if it goes in, it can't change your mindset, but I guarantee you, Danny Willett was walking up to 18. Like um, I've got two putts to win this. Like it's in the bag. And then his mindset completely flipped when Homa makes that. And he's like, Holy shit. Now I have to make this and completely went away from his previous strategy of, the, the priority being two putting, you know what I mean? Like complete overall, we could beat this to death, but just a complete like mental breakdown by Willett and who knows how much of it um, was like a contributing factor of him not winning in the last few years and him kind of like, you know, I, I think there, if it's a seasoned veteran, he probably, and Willett is a seasoned veteran, but a guy that is one on a more consistent basis I think he handles it a little bit better there, but with Willett being in the position he's in, that's just even more of a fucking punch right in the throat. So I, I can't, I feel for Danny Willett. Um, I can't imagine what that, like how many sleepless nights do you think he's going to have over that fucking four putt, three putt from four? Oh, so many of them. And, and like you alluded to just now, I think if he's like not watching what's going on and he just goes up there and knocks that putt in without knowing where max is at or watching max chip in, he makes it seven, eight, nine out of 10 times. Yeah. Oh, the situation changes everything. And that's, that's where pressure can really get to you. And I, I talk about this with a lot of people I teach and it's obviously not they're competing in their club championship or um, you know, their fucking money game, whatever. But you when you're under the most pressure that's when you need to focus more on a routine than that's when you need to lean more on your routine than anything because it's easiest for your mind to race and for you to be thinking about anything but the process of you actually doing what you need to do if that makes sense like the process centers you back to i've done this a million times okay i'm gonna stand behind it i'm gonna make two practice strokes you know, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty. like you don't want to overthink a putt like that and stand over it for five minutes, but there's always that putt that, cause everyone's like, Oh, I should just walk up and hit it it's so much easier. But then if you walk up and hit it and you miss it, 
I feel like you kick yourself so many more times for, for not focusing on that putt. You know what I mean? Like you can, I feel like you, you kick yourself more for not taking enough time than taking too much time. If that makes sense. Would you disagree? Oh yeah. No, because you can at least, it's just like that. It's basically the, the saying that goes like, you, you can only try as hard as you can possibly try. You know, talent's always different in different areas and different aspects of life and sports and other things. But if you try as hard as you can, then that's all you can do. And I think that's where that comes in is if he walks up there and just kind of nonchalantly misses it, everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, he he didn't care or I can't believe he did that. And then he's like the he's like in, looked at instead of like people feeling bad for him, they're like, well, that sucks to suck. You know, that's, that's your problem. You created this problem, but the fact that he kind of grinded over it, had it to win big deal. And all of a sudden max from the top rope, I, I just, it golf. That's just the beauty of golf right there. If anybody didn't watch it, just watch the highlights and maybe just the last hole because that's the true epitome of it's really never over and you have to expect anything and everything when playing essentially match play. I know this isn't a match play tournament, but it, I've so many times caught myself, whether against Mitchell or against some of our, our guys that used to work with us at the golf course where I'm like, okay, I have eight feet for birdie. They've got 30 feet for birdie. I know at least I'm going to have a chance to win this hole with the putt and they're going to have a chance to, or, or, and tie it worse case as long as i get it close enough and then they make one on me and my mind's like fuck you know it's so much different putting an eight footer when you know it's to tie or when you know it's to win excuse me or worst case tie versus you have you have to make it now to tie and and if you're missing it you're losing a hole oh for sure dude and actually i had that situation this last weekend at our ladies spring valley cup um where it's just a fun women's league thing that we do, but I played in it and Spencer used to play in it. He doesn't participate anymore. Um, well, yeah, but anywho, uh, so I was playing against Kelly, our other teaching pro and another lady. And I was partnered with Chris Brungart, one of our members, super cool lady. Um, but on hole 16, the pin was in a really, really tough spot. So we started on the back. So it was our seventh hole. And I think we were like two down at that point and we were playing bad. Uh, they, they played well, they made a few putts, but on 16, we had a really tough, it's a, it's a par five. If you don't know out at the Valley of fun. And I left my second shot in a terrible spot. Pin was back middle kind of on that slope Spencer where it, everything works away down towards the back left corner. Just an impossible place. Yeah. Super impossible. And so I hit my second shot right of the green. I was like, fuck, like there's really no good way to hit this. And I didn't want to get cute with it. So I ended up tossing it 50. I mean, it rolls not very quickly by the hole ends up rolling 50 feet by, you know, it just won't stop moving rolls 50 feet, eh, maybe 40 feet down to the end of the, um, down just onto the fringe. And they've got like five feet for birdie above the hole. So I hit my 40 footer, almost make it leave like an inch short and I tap in for par. I'm Dude, like, let me, uh, let me stop you really quick. Just really quick. How frustrating is golf too, where from that spot you put yourself in on the second shot, you 
can hit as good of a shot as humanly possible and still have 40 feet. Oh yeah. Like that's part of golf too, is you, there is some shots that are physically impossible to you're hit. You're just close. fucked. Yeah. You're, yeah. You just have to sit there, grab your ankles and enjoy the 40 foot. Yeah, you can't do anything. Your, take your medicine and fucking move on. And that's ultimately leaving yourself in that spot is poor planning on my part because I, I got too aggressive. I was trying to aim at the flag. So there's a little wind off the right. So I aimed a little bit right of the green, hoping the wind would hit it. And it went straight and I left myself there and I was like, okay, fucking bend over, grab your ankles, f- throw it on there. It's going to roll 40 feet by like, there's nothing you can do about it. Cause you'd much rather. That's another place people go wrong is compounding mistakes like me. And I'm not, almighty God himself, but I've done it way too many fucking times where I'm like, I'm going to try to hit this super close. And I mean, in with them having at that point, they were 40 or 50 feet for Eagle. So I was like, they're most likely going to make birdie, but I wasn't going to get cute and completely take ourselves out of the hole. So I ended up hitting it 40 feet by, it was a smart play. Um, and I end up going in, tapping in for par. They've got four feet for birdie. They miss it, and then they end up three putting it. Almost exact same situation. Oh wow! They we, they got the they had the willets. They had they had five feet for birdie and hit it ten feet by. It was it was on a huge slope and it wouldn't stop. Like I don't oh, know. Oh, that's why Kelly was so pissed at Chris or made yes. a comment to Chris, which of course he'll never forget. Oh no, he'll he'll remember that till the day he dies. We should put it on his. Uh, stone that old, <laughs> uh, like I said a hard pin on 16 on fucking September. <laughs> oh my god that but, would fit but yeah dude that's we, insane that's literally the same situation yeah they they hit it for t- like 10 feet by and I mean it was a very very tough pin I don't know how exactly how their ball stopped where it did but moral of the story you gotta prepare for anything um I gave us a chance by making par and they end up three putting from five feet for bogey. And so we won the hole. Um, and that's just hindsight's always 2020, you know, like if they would end up making birdie, I would have been like, I should have tried to really get cute and hit that shot close. Cause at match play in match play, especially at the end of the day, it's either a whole one or a whole lost or, or halved, you know, there's not very many different results. So, but, and, and I think that comes into play for guys on the PJ tour, like, if Max Homa say he's a guy that's never had a top five on tour and he's one back of the lead, I guarantee you his mindset is different w- over that shot than him already having won four times on the PJ tour the last two years. You know what I mean? Like he, he is in a position where he doesn't give a shit. And that's like, that's what Phil Mickelson's always been like revered for. I think it will be remembered for is not giving a fuck what the result is like he's gonna go for it and i think you definitely have to be in a certain position on the pga tour in order like in your career in order to go for that shot and and really be like it's either going in or or i'm making six you know because he could have tried to put that and cozy it up close make par and still collect a five hundred thousand dollar paycheck oh fucking boohoo like tough life um, but you know, he's in that position where he's like, I'm going to go for it. I can afford to make bogey here, you know, in terms of my career and still be fine. 
So I think uh, with Homa and Willett being at two points in their career too, definitely plays into that dynamic where Max had every reason to be the aggressor there. He's had a great last couple of years. He feels pretty cemented in his position on the PGA tour. And Willett's been like trying to reestablish himself ever since the, the masters in 2016. So I think it, I mean, we've talked about this for quite a while at this point, but just a whirlwind of different factors playing into what ultimately came down to Willett pissing down his leg and Max having a pretty unlikely win to, uh, to wit, to go back to back in the tournament that most people don't give a fuck about, but it's a million dollar plus paycheck payday for him. And I'm sure his fucking, his unborn child is thanking him right now because it's, it's just going into the trust eventually. I mean, I think he's making enough money at this point where I don't think he's going to spend it all in his lifetime, but uh, real quick, I want to add one other thing. Um, and you and I can relate to this. We've talked about it, but Max is definitely getting a little bald spot up top. Max's Uh-oh. hair, Max's hair is getting thin. Like he's, he's morphing into a dad before our own very, our very own eyes. Like he's, He's changing. And I think a lot of dudes, um, it depends on when it hits you. Um, I know Sir Serbo has gone through that and I'm sure he'll listen to this. Um, our old boss, and it is a tough point in every dude's life. Like I I look at I put my head down and look at the mirror. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, how do how can I cover up this fucking spot on top of my head that's slowly growing, no matter how much I try to to comb it over and i'm never going to be that dude that has the full-blown fucking comb over from above my ear over to the side like i'm eventually gonna have to take it home but it's always and for those of you don't know what taking it home means it's fucking just shaving it like uh i actually heard that term back in the day from mike golick jr because mike golick has a fucking great head of hair his dad and mike golick jr has got fucking terrible hair like I mean, now he has no hair, but he was like holding on to it. And I think Scott Van Pelt was like, dude, you got to take it home. Like, you got, you got to fucking, every man reaches that point in their life where if you have spotty hair, you just got to commit, fucking take it off and live with the results. So I, I, I think 10 years from now, well, maybe even sooner, maybe five years from now, we'll be seeing Max home with a shaved head or plugs. I mean, could you imagine? how much on on social media Max would get fucking roasted for plugs, he would get absolutely obliterated. Oh, yeah, torn, absolutely torn down to the to the nubbins. <laughs> Dude, but I feel the same way. I look at my, like, I if I, like, lean down too much in a mirror, like, on the Zoom call right now, I'm like, Dude, did somebody take a razor and just cut part of my hair right in this area? And then I'm like, no, it just doesn't grow there anymore. It's I'm hanging on to this front. Looks like kind of like an Avatar character. Yeah, like yeah, you're definitely the arrow, the arrow that goes down the front. The yeah, back, we, my back is great though, dude. My back is still hanging on, but you know the way you hide the 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 bald, if you will, is you just wear a hat. That's that's what I do. I, yeah, I our our dad for those opportunity. for those of you guys that don't know our dad, everyone, um, but the the uh he used to wear a hat all the time. Like he had so many hats, never took his hat off. And now I'm just, our that mom guy. actually, 
she said that he would wake up and before he'd even put clothes on, he'd put a hat on. That's my kind of guy. That's me right there. <laughs> that is, I'll be like even taking my, my dogs out late at night. I'll just take my dogs outside. And I don't care what these people in this apartment that I live in think of me, but even to go downstairs and go outside for two seconds, there's probably just bums everywhere. And I'm worried about wearing, putting a hat on because of my hair. Like you're worried what that bum is going to think of you. Exactly. Yeah, dude, I, I get it. And honestly, like, can you imagine being a chick, like worrying about your hair all the time? I can't like, we have it so easy. Dudes have it so fucking easy compared to women. Um, like oh, and- I can, I can wake up and be at work in 50 in, in a half hour, like walk through the door of work a half hour from when I woke up. Is and, that why you're always fucking late? Um, I'm promptly on time, chief. Coming from fucking, oh, I had to run errands. I'm two hours late to work, asshole over here. Well, that's what happens when you make the schedule. But no, yeah. Mitchell shows up for a nine o'clock shift at like 9.03 and thinks he's on time. That's that's where he's at. That's not true. It means I hit traffic. Yeah, traffic in Elizabeth, Colorado. It's fucking The one stoplight takes a while, asshole. And plus, like, it's hard to rush into a place you really don't want to be at. So, oh, it's extremely hard. Absolutely. I don't have that kind of self-discipline. Like, I usually roll in. I'm like, sorry, I didn't want to be here today. But I'm here. So shut up. Exactly. You get me. You get me later. You get me never. So suck it. Right. All right. (laughs) Let's uh, let's shift gears here uh, and go into a little. So we're going to talk about the live tour, but there's a different angle and a different story coming out today. This is written by Mark Schlabach, an ESPN senior writer. And this is going into a letter that the Live Tour players, all 48 of them uh, that competed in last week's event in Chicago, signed this letter. And it's to the chairperson of the official world golf rankings, asked that they retroactively include Live results in the rankings. Uh, the chairman is Peter Dawson. It was also signed. The letter was also signed by Bubba Watson and other reserve live players. You know, you got the teams, so you got to have some guys on the bench. But they're like, uh, oh, and they I, had all the 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 glow sticks, the fucking majestics. They they're like the whole team signed it. All the majestics. All the majestics. Um, it says, and I quote: "To maintain trust, we urge you, as one of the true statesmen of sports." to act appropriately to include on a retroactive basis the results of live golf events in official world golf rankings ranking calculations. An official world golf ranking without live would be incomplete and inaccurate. The equivalent of leaving the Big Ten or SEC out of the U.S. college football rankings or leaving Belgium, Argentina, or England out of the FIFA rankings. Live players did not receive ranking points for their finishes for the first time in the first five tournaments staged by the new circuit. So what are your, what's your thoughts here? Um, I mean, obviously they're trying to become more legitimate and their first way to bring more people over is to become more legitimate in the way of world ranking points. And I mean, ultimately I think, I don't know how many of these guys would move over to the live tour if it meant they could never play in another Ryder cup. Like, I think that the vision always for, for live has been like, we'll get so big that they have to let us, you know, participate. So um, I don't think all these guys are thinking it's like a long-term shutout. Cause I know, I mean, there's quotes from guys like honor bond Lahiri 
uh, Joaquin Neiman, a few guys that would be participating in the President's Cup this upcoming week um, that are not able to because they're on live and they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to miss it. Like, obviously, it, it's a small price to pay for making, you know, whatever their live contract is. So, uh, but I, I definitely think that in the best of both worlds, for those guys, they want to still be able to participate in these events. So um, I think eventually it'll become a legitimate thing where, where live tour players are um, able to play in this, this kind of sanctioned stuff and get world ranking points and all that. But I honestly think the PJ tour is like hanging on to the shred of relevancy by kind of gatekeeping the point system. You know what I mean? And um, I think the world golf ranking system is in the same boat, but I'm sure the live tour can scratch their back enough. Like that's, that's the thing about money is money can fucking, we've, we've discussed money on the live situation for multiple times, but money could buy the fucking RNA. They could buy the, you know, the world, whoever runs the fucking world golf ranking points, like for all like the USGA, whatever money money talks like they they want to dump a fucking Mack truck load in front of the headquarters down in uh, Florida or wherever. Um, we'll see if they their morals bend a little bit because like everybody's got a price and we've we've told our prices. I think what was mine? 10 million. And I feel like that's low. I feel like I'm kind of missing my value there. I should be more in the 25 million. Um do you want to have the chance to win $25 million or how about $200 in free bets? You can do that with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. If you bet $5 on any NFL team to win, you get $200 in free bets if they do. DraftKings has stepped up the game with same game parlays. You can put a bunch of bets together into one and win all in one game. I love to do this on the Sunday night game. And you can do a stepped-up same-game parlay and allows you to boost that same-game parlay that you've already created on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR and you get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also sponsoring this podcast, and we use them a lot. We've used them for years, and now we want you to use them, and that's Game Time. Game Time has the best tickets at the best prices last second. We all went to the Rockies game using Game Time just yesterday, and it was amazing. We got an awesome deal on the seats, all hung out at the rooftop together. I may or may not have had a few too many drinks, but Game Time is awesome. Make sure you're checking out the show notes and using the link in the notes of this podcast and then it allows you to get onto game time with over 15 million people. And you can get last-minute tickets to games, shows, concerts, and all of that. Right before the game starts for up to 60% off of what you see. Broncos tickets this weekend, you can get them for $207. I've seen people selling them for $500. So make sure you check out game time and click the link in the show notes. Real quickly, this is off topic, but when you go from like 10 what is like the next like metric for you? Like if you're talking about like round numbers. 25, I think. I'm in, I'm the same way. Like, I think 
my girlfriend and I were arguing this because she said like 15 and I'm like, that's not the next round number. Like it is technically if you're going by multiples of five, but anything over 10, it's then by quarters, it's 10 to 25 to 50 to 75 to hundred. If we're talking millions, if we're talking change, whatever, I don't give a fuck, but I, I don't go from 10 to 15. I go from 10 to 25. Maybe it's just because I think big. I'm just a big thinker. Just a big thinking guy. I love that. All right. So, hey, I got a quick trivia question for you. Oh, boy. Trivia time. All right. So, in the last 51 majors played, how many of them are won by current players that are full-time live tour players? Um the last 51 so that's 12 13 years uh how many majors out of the 51 correct um let me think this is great podcasting just me sitting here thinking rubbing my two fucking brain cells together as quickly as I can creating a fire. Yeah. Trying to fucking create some friction in between my ears. Um, I'm going to go with six. Wow. I'll give, give you one more guess, but that's way low. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think all the old heads that are over there now. Whoa. Cause Phil, God damn it. Phil, Dustin, um, Cam, obviously, uh, what other 15? So add your two numbers together. 21. 21 of 50 of 51 of the last four professional PGA tour professional golf majors have been won by live tour players. Okay. So who I'm trying to think of who else is there. That's won majors. Uh, Sergio. Sergio's only won one. Henrik Stenson, Brooks Kepka. Oh, Kepka. Okay. Three, yeah. Okay. Three U.S. Opens. Bryson. Yeah. Bryce. Okay. Okay. So Cam, I, Dustin. Yeah. Yep. No, you're making a lot of sense. Like my brain literally quit at Cam Smith and Phil Mickelson. <laughs> you, I'm not you, forgot about, lie to you. you forgot about DJ, huh? Well, no, and DJ. I'm sorry. DJ was the other one that I remember, but I forgot Brooks. Bryson, I never want to remember. Um, and a couple other Patrick Reed, forgettable. Uh, whatever. But I mean that when you when you put it in that kind of perspective, um, and when when people try to say that like the the live has gotten a small number of like legitimate players, I think that's relative, but I don't think that's true. Like like you said, that's fucking 40% of the last 13 years of majors are guys now on the live tour. And I'm great at mental math for anybody that's wondering. Yeah, that was, that's about 41% if we're getting picky, but yeah, I mean, I, I round remember. Yeah. Round numbers, but 40 is not, 40 is not part of those round numbers. Yeah. I was going to say might as well be 50%. It's 50% <laughs> might as well majors. call it half, call it 50 right down the middle. <laughs> So staying uh, that, on that, that is same, a, that's a crazy stat. Yeah. So staying on that same, same plane and talking live golf. And this is an ultimate slap in the, in the hog for Greg Norman, which is quite the slap we've, we've talked Jesus. about. Yeah. They probably had to get a fucking piece of equipment out. 
he has been asked not to attend the QBE, QBE shootout, which is an event that he personally has founded and hosted since 1989. Yeah, so it used to be called the Shark Shootout. Yeah, 54-hole competition. Hilarious. Um, it's also, always been his vision. And it's still going to be held at his designed golf course at Tiburon Golf Club in Naples from December 9th through 11th. And he quoted this on an Instagram post. Um, he said, sadly, after 33 consecutive years of playing uh, and playing in and hosting every shootout tournament, a co-sanctioned co PGA Tour event, which is even more funny, since I found it in 1989 this year, I've been asked not to attend. He said also, and I quote, why one might ask, because it is perhaps that I'm helping give golf a new heartbeat, creating new value and delivering a new product that is loved by the players, fans and broadcasters alike. And in doing so, finally giving players their rights as independent contractors to benefit from their performance and brand. In some people's mind, this is too disruptive and evolution is perceived as a bad thing. I disagree. Competition breeds excellence. So thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that's fucking just another hilarious thing um, that the PGA Tour is doing. Like, they want to keep his event, but they just don't want to include him. When literally he is in every single piece of the event from the course design to the, the charities that it contributes to, to the name. Like, they just are acting like he doesn't exist. And, I mean, I, I guess you can't expect them to do anything different because – if all of a sudden they allowed him back in, like they, they've gone, they're way too committed to, to, to move, you know, at all until they have, until they have to, which I think they will eventually, but they're, they're in too deep to like, to give any, you know, any concessions at this point. So not really surprising, but honestly, just hilarious in general. And I actually enjoy the shark shootout. It's a, Oh, uh, the QBE shootout, excuse me. It, it is a fun tournament to watch because you rarely get uh, the pay, like get to watch team golf on the PGA Tour. So it's a it's always a fun event. And I think ladies play in it, men play in it, seniors. I think it's everybody. I think it's all three tours, if I'm not mistaken. So super inclusive. Yeah. I wonder if live tour players will be able to play in it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll include any. It, they won't include I wonder, the, is there world ranking points at the, the QB shootout? Cause that's fucking hilarious. Like you're playing a fucking two man best ball rolling in hungover, like fucking partying down in Naples and you can have the opportunity to get more world ranking points than somebody competing against 40% of the last major champions. Well, the thing I think is hilarious too, and maybe it's contractual obligations by a course that he like, I can't, I don't know why he's just not like, I know he doesn't own the thing, but why isn't he just like, nah, we're out. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not hosting this, especially like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just now it's the PGA tours thing. He's just part of it. Now they're just asking him not to be part of it. It just that's seems what, a little overall. It seems like it is. Yeah. It's weird. It seems crazy to me that you can tell somebody at an event they've hosted that they can't be there. Mm-hmm. No, they're, I mean, what they're doing just like defies all logic. And they're, they're just, in my opinion, the PJ tour just looks stupid and they just keep digging themselves in that hole. So what's the point in like being logical at this point and welcoming competition and, and not just poo-pooing the entire thing. And eventually 
like we talked about, instead of a president's cup, it might be a live versus a PGA tour. Like that would be fucking insane. That would be so much fun to watch. That so, would, they would definitely be more competitive than what we're going to watch this weekend. So. Oh yeah, exactly. So let's, let's transition into the president's cup and discuss kind of, I know we, we touched on it earlier, just the rosters and whatnot. Um, but let's get a little more into, you know, exactly who's playing, see where their games are at now. Cause when we talked about this last time, you know, a lot has changed in the golf landscape and, and how, and who's in it and, and how much it matters. But, um, basically the rosters look like this. So the president's cup is 12 man U S team versus a 12 man international team, excluding Europe, uh, four day match play event, 30 match and the team with the highest point total is the winner. So Thursday is five, four ball alternate, uh, four, some, excuse me, alternate shot matches. Friday is going to be five, four ball. So best ball matches. Saturday is eight matches split in between four, four, some matches in the morning and four, four ball matches in the afternoon. And then Sunday's finale in 12 single matches. So kind of like our, we're playing in the spring Valley Keith's cup this weekend. Going to be a banger Pitt and me versus Mitchell. We will uh, actually. This is a good Twitter poll. We'll we'll put it on the on the Twitter sphere. We'll see who the people think is going to win. I think we did that last year, didn't we? Yeah, and I think you got the majority. Yeah, which is kind of shocking because I think I crumble every time I play you, and then you just end up owning me. Um, but that's chill. It's all good. Call, call me daddy. Matches worth one point, and both teams receive a half point for a tie. Um, and there's no playoff if the teams are tied after Sunday. So that'd be kind of lame. That'd be super lame. Actually be hilarious. Like, oh, we've not let like half the players that should be playing in this in tie. <laughs> tie. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, I doubt it's uh, going to end. Congratulations, in a tie, but... Texans and Colts. <laughs> a Texans and Colts week one opener tie at the President's Cup. Yeah, I honestly think a tie is worse than a, a loss. Like it just feels morally sh- like here's your here's all your participation awards. Like, boo. Yeah, but so th- there's this is pretty lopsided, pretty lopsided rosters according to official world golf rankings. Um, which is you know now who knows what that is? Not legitimate according to some people. Um, the U.S. team is Scotty Scheffler, who is still number one in the world. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, Spieth, Finau, Horschel, Homa, Cam Young, and Kisner. Great team. Just all-around group of just solid household name type of golfers. I think it's a good group. Oh, for sure. No, the the U.S. team is very, very, like, patriotic. It's It's filthy, like... I mean, every single player is inside the top 25 in the world, which isn't shocking, but um, I think we'll talk about the the international team and everybody, I mean, Taylor Pendrith is the only guy outside of the top 100 on their squad. But if you take um, the three or four guys that are technically uh, not able to play because of live, you've got Cam Smith, you've got Abram Anser, uh, Joaquin Neiman, and Louis Utsazen, and Mark Leishman. Um, that makes 
this could have been like the year that the international team like really stood a chance. So that's kind of a, the disappointing part is like, it would have been fun to have one like decent president's cup. Um, but I don't really think that's going to be the case. And who knows, it could be a great underdog story um, of the, the international team pulling off an unlikely, unlikely victory, but I just don't really see it happening. So. Yeah. Well, the thing I'm curious about and clearly my president's cup knowledge isn't quite um, AP level, if you will, but why are like, it's sucks that Europeans are not allowed to play. Like it's kind of weird, you know, like the USA, it's like the USA gets both the Ryder cup and the president's cup, but the Europeans get the Ryder cup and then they have to take a couple of years off. And then the rest of the international squad gets the president's cup and then and they have to take a couple years off. Also, they're getting fucked out of playing in a pretty cool event, I would imagine, like being from England or Ireland or whatever. Oh, for sure. But I think it was just a, an effort to make it even because um, if they allowed people f- or Europeans, then it would be 90% European no matter what, you know. So I think they're giving the international non-European players an opportunity to play, and that's why they do it the way they do it. Um, one other interesting tidbit is uh, Quail Hollow, where they're playing it in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, has a stretch of three holes called the Green Mile. And it's supposedly one of the uh, toughest stretches on the PGA Tour, but they're rerouting it because traditionally it is uh, holes 10, 11, and 12. And so wait 9 10 11 i'm sorry it's 9 10 11 so traditionally the green mile is 9 10 11 but they're rerouting it so you fit they finish there um so everybody else traditionally plays obviously 1 through 18 but the the sequence of holes is going to be this week 1 through 8 12 through 18 10 11 then 9 that's fire so a very, very odd um, mixture of, of holes that they just kind of, and it must make some sort of logistical sense. I haven't really looked at uh, Quail Hollow on, a, on fucking Google Maps or anything, so I don't know how they're going to do it. But, I mean, at least they realize, and Quail Hollow has been around for a while, so I think they've been doing, I think they reroute it almost every time they have. Um, uh, a big event like this, but they, uh, they realize that this is where it needs to finish no matter what hole it is, you know, like having it. So technically they, their 18th hole this week, which is nine, it plays as the hardest finishing hole on tour, um, to par. So it is technically to par the hardest finishing hole on the PJ tour. And so why not make that the last hole where, and from what I've seen, it sounds like 9, 10, 11 pars can win that hole. E- like even in this, this President's Cup style format. So um, I think it, it should be interesting. We'll see how many matches get down to that finishing stretch. Hopefully a few of them see that because I would like to, to watch that, that challenging stretch. But um, kudos to whoever for rerouting it to – to really glorify glory hole it, um, to really glorify those, those 
or the fucking mag what magnify um feature there we go feature the last that that tough three hole stretch so dude that's a wild concept so just picking like your hardest holes and making them your finishing holes so fucking let's reroute let's reroute the valley of fun no just like the fact that you can reroute it like because you because you can't like let's think about the valley of fun a, sp- a, a spot we spent our whole life can you reroute that course like you could maybe go five I mean, five green to to 17, then play 17, 18, 10 through 16, and then go black and play six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, that's the only way, you know, like it's physically impossible. Yeah. And I think a lot of golf courses are not designed to be able to really reroute like logistically wise. Um, But there is quite a few places, like especially country clubs, because they have more uh, land and more room to you know, create holes and there's more separation between holes. Um, I think it is logistically a little bit easier because there's kind of holes scattered, you know, there's, it's not a pattern of back and forth, the front nines over here, the back nines over here kind of thing. So I think it is kind of case by case, but yeah, there is some places where it logistically does not make sense to reroute it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've never played Quill Hollow. Maybe I will one day. It's, I've heard it's a fucking phenomenal track, but uh, it sounds like they're just trying to feature their toughest holes, and I can't say I blame them. No, that, that is a fire. And, and there, there's no other sport where you can just do that. It'd be like, hey, all of a sudden in the fourth quarter of NFL football games, you don't got any, you don't have any timeouts anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. Like you just touchdowns making, are worth 10 now. Making the game harder. The old what who is that? The Dan was it Dan Graziano or the guy? Remember that radio guy that's like, well, here's what you do. You, and you let them pick it was like radio segment he's like you let them pick how many points their touchdown is worth it, you, you'll have to listen you've heard it i guarantee you. it was just an absolute joke but um yeah that the uh <laughs> the idea of just fully rerouting a golf course to be like hey these holes are sick let's do it is a fire idea and the fact that you can do it like you said is is i i bet there's you know 90 percent of the golf courses in america maybe maybe less or maybe more but that you can't even that that wouldn't physically make sense to make players walk through or over another hole uh in order to play those three holes last so it's it's a good setup and okay. that's why i like the valley of fun is truly finishing five three five like i would be guy standing you know the guy standing out with the cardboard sign on the street all golf holes should end on a par five all uh, golf yeah. courses i agree yeah no i I totally agree. I actually ending on a par three is pretty weird. I've re- I, I don't know if I've ever actually played a course that ends on a par three, um, but par four, I feel like is the most typical, um, but par, a, a, a good risk reward par five to finish is unbeatable. So yes, I totally agree. I think that every golf course should end on a par five. That's, that is our, uh, our fucking hill we will die on. Yeah, dude, we should maybe make a meme out of that. We should turn into our big drive energy into a meme account. Oh, that'd be good. No, dude, I don't like. I love me- golf meme accounts, but sometimes some of their shit's just so like lame. They're so recycled and it's so overused. Like until the, unless they use our content, which they have. Um, shout out to them, appreciate it. But overall, like, yeah, it's just recycled. Like, oh, I saw this post two months ago, and here it is again. Like, 
They just yeah. do anything. It's not new content. It's just blah, blah, blah. Tag your buddy who sucks at putting. They all fucking suck at putting. Like, <laughs> like tag all your friends then, I guess. Like, yeah. And I have buddies that, like, have the audacity to send me those. I'm like, dude, you – like, I don't know if I sound, like, stuck up, but, like, I've seen that a million times. I've, you know, like, it's not funny anymore. It's – every golf joke is so overused that – I mean, some of some new stuff is funny. Oh, one last funny thing real quick before we get into our fairway or four we got to talk about is Bryson uh, flopping like fucking Manu Ginobili with that rope at the uh, live event in Chicago. Or was it Chicago? Yeah, it was in this past weekend. Okay, yeah, in Chicago. Uh, looked like he got hit by Mike Tyson in the fucking face. He's like, I can't see, blah, blah, blah. And like... I should volunteer for a live event just so I can like fucking fuck with Bryson. Like, like fucking go step on his ball and be like, Oh yeah, I just ended up here. You know, like something like that. I think that'd be so fun. Cause he's just the whiniest little bitch on any tour. Dude. He and slow-mo can make things so much worse or so much cooler, depending upon what you're looking at. But the slow-mo of that is just like, he was getting attacked by an entire hive of bees. And just flying right at his head after it like caught on his hat. And he <laughs> just so good, dude, just couldn't happen to a better person. Well, yeah. And he's that kind of dude that just can't be embarrassed. So then he like fakes an injury because he's embarrassed. It's like, dude, you just looked like an idiot. You're not hurt. Fucking cut the bullshit. But he <laughs> fucking whole whole act. But it isn't that far fetched considering he called over a rules official to try to get a uh, his ball moved due to unsafe playing conditions where there's two red ants by his foot. So um, it, he just sounds like a fucking drama queen. Like everything that we think of him is real. Like it's, it's not over-exaggerated by the media. Like he's just whiny. Yeah. He's the, the one, maybe we do a whiniest whiniest athletes including pga tour players snake draft at some point Ooh, on this pod. that would be great that'd be a and good one one other guy that comes to the top of my head is sergio fucking you remember when he had that temper tantrum in the bunker like two years ago he fucking just started and i mean everybody's been there but kind of time and place like i even feel bad when i do in front of the clubhouse he did it on fucking live tv oh yeah a little luka Doncic action He's up there. Oh, fucking Doncic. Man, I think it'd mostly be basketball players because um, I just can't stand. And so basketball, soccer, and golf, I, I think that's kind of this, the order it would go in. Um, but, yes, that is a great draft topic, so we will have to do that. We'll bring on a, a guest and get that one done. So, Love that. All right, we're going to wrap up today's show with a new edition of Fairway or Four. Going back to last show's edition um, and getting the votes from you, the people, make sure you're following us at Big Drive Energy on Twitter to get these votes in. Uh, yours was, it's too early to de decorate for Halloween. October is spooky season. 58% fairway. So people do agree with you. I, on the other hand, got shot down with a four from the people. And I said, hazelnut is by far the worst of the standard coffee creamers. So... Apparently, people think French vanilla sucks or or original. Maybe original is ass. I've, I've never really tried it or never really fucked with it. But apparently, people are hazelnut fans, which is just sad. Sad to see. 
Yeah, it's not it's not my first choice by any means. No. So stepping into this week, I'll lead it off this week. Uh, I've seen this from a few people, uh, most commonly from one of our cart kids. Shout out Brock Golden. Kid's a legend. He goes to Nebraska. We give him shit every Sunday for his shitty football team. R.I.P. Scott Frost and, and the, the, the dream scenario of him leading them back to relevance. But he, so Brock does this, and I've seen this from a few other people, you know, and we're working at the counter at the golf course. We see it from people. I think crushing up money and leaving it in your wallet like that is completely psychotic behavior. Yeah. What, what, what say you? Uh, 100% fairway. Like if you don't organize and maybe like it shows how much you care about money, if you have to organize it or not organize it, but yes, like just wadding up a dollar bill and like putting it in your pocket is fucking you go to an insane asylum immediately like that that shit blows my mind and just dude the, i mean piggybacking on that and it's not even the same but dudes who just have shit in their wallets from like 20 years ago like just not having your shit wallet organized like i swipe my credit card so much that it's like i could do it in my sleep i could get my wallet out and know exactly where it is fucking hand. these dudes are fil- filing through fucking 80 business cards and They've got like, and and not even organizing like their cash by like denomination where it's like, oh, I've got a hundred, then a five, then a one, then another, then a 10, then a, you know, it's like, have your shit organized. So when you go to pay for something, you're not standing there looking like a fucking fool. Every dude over the age of 40 has a wallet thicker than Kim Kardashian. (laughs) Yes. And with shit that should have been thrown out 20 years ago. Um, so yeah, I think this is the, the age of hundred percent. So you're minimizing wallets. You're fair away with me. Me too. We both have very minimal. My wallet's in the back of my phone. Now I got three cards. I can fit some cash in there if need be, but no one fucking takes it anymore. So I think that's psycho behavior too, though, because if you lose your phone, you lose your wallet. Like you're, yeah, but you know how hard it is to lose your phone. It's it's pretty hard. I mean, you pretty easy to lose your wallet fucking galaxy brain it's it's easier to lose your wallet or phone than wallet than phone Uh, you're probably right okay um so i'm gonna go for mine in a little bit of a different direction and i don't really know how this popped into my head today it's just random fucking thoughts of mine um but i was thinking about like outer space and a lot of people are scared of outer space um and i personally am way more afraid of the ocean like I, so my question, my fair way or four is the ocean is scarier than outer space. Oh, fuck. That's a t- tough one. I think it's, I think it's not necessarily people are scared of those individually. I think people are scared of the unknown. Um, and I feel like we've, we've gotten to a lot more of the ocean than we'll ever get to of outer space, but See, I just, we're not even close on we're not even close on the ocean though. That's the thing that's crazy to me. It's just full mind pretzel is we like the ocean is on our planet. Like we could be studying it day in and day out. And some people with way better paychecks and way more brain cells than us are doing that. But I did, I don't know. I think I'm more scared of outer space. I think I'm going to go four on that. Oh, you hillbilly. See, I, <laughs> I, 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 maybe it's, here's my argument is 
I don't know if my brain is big enough to comprehend all that space is. So I just think of it like you're floating around. Like, I don't think all the possibilities of like fucking aliens, not fucking aliens, just seeing aliens and maybe them fucking. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would probably be what would happen. Um, I don't think that any alien would be taking you're a nice you're a nice thick tube of sausage you're yeah. you'd be a fucking could you imagine pickings. this shit pressed into a spacesuit oh my god i'd be <laughs> i'd i'd like go out of the porthole just like fucking shot out like a fucking like a nerf gun um <laughs> just squeezing out of there i'd be like get the butter you gotta fucking lube me up get me out of here um but the ocean is just like in your face like Talk about the unknown. There's so much shit in the ocean we don't know about that could fucking kill you right there. Like, I'm more afraid of things personally that I, like, are right in front of me that can do harm to me. That's a fair statement. And usually, I've never been to space, but I assume you get out there and there's not much around. Like, maybe how desolate it is is scary. But like the ocean, it, there's shit all around you and it's all scary. So that's that's my reasoning. All right. That's fair reasoning. I'm still on the fairway of that or four of that. But I uh, I do understand your reasoning. So we'll give that out. We'll tweet those out. Make sure you're following us, like I said, and and, and getting in on the voting so we can have some uh, some good answers and some good feedback from from the people. From the, people, the, people, for the people for the people. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Make sure you're watching the President's Cup this weekend uh, with the little lesser field, I guess, if you will, with all the guys out from the live tour. Might not be as fun of an event, but uh, Trevor Immelman said they're out here to shock the world. So and that's the beauty of golf. Like if if the international team comes out and wins after seeing all the star power and quote unquote talent that the U.S. team has. And, you know, you think the live players or excuse me, the uh, the European players have no chance then you know that that could be golf is just them winning this event i do think it being at quail hollow also helps the american players a lot because it's a place more accessible to them obviously and a place they can they've played a ton more in events judging by the uh international team's roster but should be a fun fun time we will be back with y'all next week uh, to recap the President's Cup and talk about anything else coming up in the golf world. Make sure if you enjoy our podcast, you give us a rating on Apple, uh, Spotify, whatever you listen to podcasts on. You can find us there. You can find us on Instagram at Big Drive Energy Pod, on TikTok at Big Drive Energy, as well as Twitter. We appreciate you guys all listening. We got some exciting stuff coming up this winter. We are going to uh, really grow the brand, hopefully, in different all different aspects. Uh, We got a lot of good ideas, so make sure you're following along and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great, great weekend. Peace. Peace.